This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey there, it's episode eight of The Table Business. It's me, Jack. Hey, how you going? Hey, really good episode for you today. The Aussies are back. We're joined by Damien from Little Warrior Shields. Now, there's a bit of a story here, and I won't spoil it all because it'll come up in this episode, but in some ways, Little Warrior Shields is the inspiration for the table business. So stick around to find out why that is. But Little Warrior Shields is a not-for-profit that specializes in making foam shields and helmets for sick kids in hospital. The work that Damien's doing is just incredibly powerful, incredibly cool, and incredibly important. And it was such an honor to have Damien appearing on the show. Some of the things he's going to talk about today are truly incredibly emotive. And to hear those stories and hear how it connects into the tabletop world is really what it's all about. So in today's episode, Damien's going to tell you all about Little Warrior Shields, how it came about, the work that he's doing, and how many shields that he's been able to provide to sick kids. And we'll also talk about Damien's connection to the tabletop world, including the D&D game that he has with his young son. All right, let's get into it. Damien, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So let's start out with an easy one. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Damien Brand. I run a not-for-profit called Little Warrior Shields, making cool items of distraction for sick kids in hospital. Make foam play shields, uh, Viking helmets out of foam, uh, wood-turned battle wands in the process of also making uh, D&D mini bundles for the older kids at the hospital as well. We're going to dive into all of that really soon. But before we do, I always like to sort of begin just like, origin stories like how did you begin the tabletop world how did it all start for you uh in the grand old days of ad and d what year we talking here are you comfortable dating yourself i was i'm in my late 40s and i was in my early 20s at that stage just out of high school i think so yeah playing ad and d uh with a couple of mates d and d was good fun but not completely enjoyable as my characters seem to die every other week so i would usually spend the remainder of a session looking through the player's handbook working out what my next character was going to be um i don't have many memories or any memories of those early characters because i didn't really get a chance to establish any of them um and then as as we grew and got older and you know life got in the way we sort of parted ways with our D&D campaign um, and then a couple of years ago discovered a, uh, a little little YouTube uh, sensation called Critical Role and introduced me to 5e which I fell in love with because it seemed a lot simpler than the, the D&D I remembered. Yeah, watched and watched and watched the many probably hundreds of hours of Critical Role and learned a lot about 5e from those guys and that was brilliant. And uh, sparked sparked interest in playing. Didn't really get a chance to play, but I started DMing for the very first time uh, with my son and my friend's triplet boys. Uh, my son was, I think, seven at the time, and the triplets were nine. So that was 
interesting first jump into the DM seat. Um, but I think I helped foster a love of D&D for, for all the all parties involved. Um, and it's it's been pretty good. Like the first game we played, my son at the start of the game asked what a bedroll was. And by the end of the game, one of the characters fell off a not very high building. And he said, I throw, I, I throw my bedroll out to, to lessen the fall. And then one of the other one of the other lads went, oh, I did the same thing. And I said, well, you're going to make some rolls. So I said, I need to do a strength check and a dex check to see whether you throw it far enough and close enough. And they both rolled really well on their rolls. But the fact that they both on the fly thought of a solution to a problem and succeeded when we finished the game, my son was, oh, mom, I did this thing. And my wife's like, oh, that's really cool. It was, yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice outcome for the first game. Yeah. Yeah, points of inspiration for that, definitely. Oh, def- most definitely, yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about Little Warrior Shields. I stumbled across you on Instagram, went onto your page and was just like immediately struck by what I saw as like, this is such a cool thing. Felt so motivated that I just like reached out to you right away to be like, this is so cool. And like really, in some ways, you were the motivation for this entire show. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't spoken to anyone about this, but it was reaching out to you and realizing there's all these great people doing great stuff that can we can talk about was like such a great realization but enough about this show little warrior shields tell us tell us about it why how did this idea come about for you the very first shield i made was for my son there's a cartoon version as the logo for little warrior shields i was watching youtube saw someone making a foam shield and i thought i could do that Went to Bunnings, bought some floor mats, bought some contact cement, bought some knives, worked it all out. And then one thing led to another, had a little shield. It was a little 30 centimeter shield. My son was four at the time, I think. He loved it. He thought it was the best thing. So I made him a shield, made myself a shield. We then wore those shields to Supernova a couple of weeks later. His first, our, both our first Supernovas. So he's this little dude strutting around Supernova with a shield on his back. And then I made a couple for a mate's sons and then I made three for the the triplets that I mentioned earlier and I just one thing led to another and I thought I want to keep making them but I don't want to I don't want to sell them I don't want to deal with people at markets I don't want to lose my weekends to try to sell these things my cousin was a nurse at a Brisbane hospital contacted her and said hey do you think this is something you might be interested in for the kids at the hospital Um, which she was and the first couple of batches went to her hospital and then um, another cousin put me in touch with a, a nurse at uh, Queensland Children's Hospital, um, which specialised in just treating kids. And um, my nurse contact, Rachel, um, has been amazing at, uh, at looking after me and getting shields up to the hospital. Probably of the 300 that I've made and delivered, probably 200 plus have gone to the Queensland Children's. We're into the 300s now, which is still blows me away to think about. So, yeah, and then... That was the start of it. And then the next thing was, oh, I've got all these foam offcuts. I might start making helmets. So I started making uh, Viking and Knights helmets. Um, found an awesome lady on Instagram who makes amazing things out of cardboard. And I thought those templates would probably transfer to foam. Got in contact with her, bought the templates. One thing led to another. We've probably had 30 helmets go up to the hospital as well. All different styles and designs. Yeah, and then the ones, bought a lathe making wands and yeah, while I can still do it, I'll keep making them for as long as I can. Take me back to like, you hear about the first shields going out to the first kids. How does that feel for you when you start hearing about the kids getting these shields? 
occasionally I'll get contacted by a parent and it's fantastic. And the, the kids that I've got on my Instagram page are the families that have got in contact and provided it that hearing back from any parent um, who says it just made their day. It was such a it was such a such a joy to see their face light up getting that shield. And I've had a couple of videos from these little kids and it's just the cutest thing. As I said earlier, they're items of distraction because I've been lucky. My kids have been very healthy, never had a hospital visit with them. I've met and spoken to dozens of parents through this, through this not-for-profit who've told me stories. And a lot of these parents have got Instagram pages for their sick kids to raise awareness. You hear some stories about what they're going through. I've seen some of the, some of the stories of what these parents have gone through with their kids. And these kids are warriors. Like it's not underplaying it. Uh, one of the little girls, Isla, um, she had an operation a couple of years ago called a hemispherectomy where half of her brain was disconnected because of epilepsy. Because the epilepsy was so debilitating that they actually go and detach a sphere of her brain to allow her to function. This is a kid. This is a kid. I think she would have been maybe four or five at the time. She just went back for a second operation, major operation, um, and she is a powerful warrior seeing how she has bounced back from this major, major operation. They're from Tassie. They travelled to Melbourne to have the operation and her dad, Jimmy's documenting the process and sharing uh, Isla's journey and it's inspiring. And it, I'm, a, I'm a pretty active crier. Um, I've shed many a tear of joy watching these kids uh, fight their fight. It's quite an emotive story. And like, I can obviously hear the passion that you speak with. Why is this something that you're passionate about? Like, how did you find yourself specifically choosing this cause as something that you wanted to get involved with? It, it was really the making initially, but once you start rolling down this hill, and you're getting a bit of momentum and you think, what else can I do? Um, I've done a couple of fundraisers uh, for children's charities, but there's a couple of other children's charities that I've um, supported um, and done fundraising for because it'll make someone's life easier um, and getting involved for me will sometimes be, well, let's do a trivia night at a pub and raise some money and you know, source some prizes and, and have a fun night. And at the end of that, get some money to go to a children's charity. There's one I support called Super Tees. They make superhero-themed hospital gowns. And they're an amazing piece of kit. They're a hospital gown for kids um, that helps with their treatment, but it's superhero-themed. The way that they get delivered to the kids well, before COVID was they would have cosplayers in their full cosplay kit going to the hospital so they have that have Thor, Thor walking up to a kid saying to, I hear, I've heard about you, you're my superhero, and then giving these kids a superhero-themed hospital gown. So these kids are inspired by the fact that they're, they're like, the superheroes coming to give me this shirt and this shirt's going to make me feel like a superhero. It's things like that. You just, the getting involved can be really simple, um, just to what degree I just seem to be diving, <laughs> swimming deeper into the pool. And when you look back at what you've been able to do with Little Warrior Shields, what, what, what are you most proud of? The connections. I've done enough of the shields that I can, I can do them pretty easily. I've, I've had workshops where I've had people come to my house to make the shields to help me progress the batches along. The last workshop we did was a helmet-making workshop. Um, having people come along and I can say, hey, 
if I show you how to glue this foam together, at the end of this process, we're going to have a shield. But you're also providing these people with a pretty unique skill set to say, hey, you know, there's lots of other things you can do with foam. You can make costumes, you can make weapons, you can do all sorts of things. And I've had a couple of friends go on to make amazing things because they came to a workshop and saw how easy and fun it was to use the foam. Um, but also meeting the parents, um, meeting other people from children's charities, it really helps keep the fires burning when you're continually inspired by people that you you can meet. That's, that's really, it's fascinating. I've spoken to a number of people and it feels like people, when they get involved in things that have some sort of connection to the tabletop world in some way, feel that similar thing of like, I'm liking what I'm doing. Like I have my little business and it's doing, doing reasonably well, but the connections that I'm building and like the way that my life is changing and the people that I've met have been just so impactful. Do you feel that coming from like tabletop world as well, or mostly just from like the charitable side of things? Well, as it turns out, we started the Little Warrior Adventurers Guild uh, at a local pub, at the Carindale Pub here in Brisbane. After the, the fundraising night that I was talking about earlier, um, the manager um, and a mate and I, we were just buzzing at the end of an amazing night. We'd just, we'd raised $5,000. It was a fantastic night. And they were like, they were like what's next? And I said, D&D, here in the pub. And as it turns out, Nick, the manager, used to be the president of the James Cook University D&D Society <laughs> in Townsville. And he said, well, I used to run a game for 60 plus people a night. So D&D in the pub, that's simple. Let's do it. And within a couple of months, we had it set up and we thought, wouldn't it be great if we got, you know, six tables of six people? Wouldn't that be great? Opening night, we had 45 people. Within three weeks, they were averaging 70 to 80 people on every Monday night. And that's been pretty much the case for the last, I think, we're coming up on a year at Carindale. And last night, we actually had our first our first game at the second pub. We're franchising. <laughs> so we had our second Little Warrior Adventurers Guild uh, open at another pub a lot further away, which my son and I went to. And, you know, getting an opportunity to tell people about Little Warrior Shields, which is the basis for the Adventurers Guild, having an opportunity to... to to expand on what we're doing and get more people involved and franchising throughout Australia and overseas. And who knows? Who knows? Coming to a pub near you. D&D needs a palmy, access to a palmy and a beverage to, to make the night better. So let's talk about the minis before we move on from Little Warrior Shields. So you've touched on that. They're on the Instagram page. They're amazing. But just talk about them for someone who has never seen them before. What are they all about? Well, it started out with my, my mate and DM... Pete said, oh, you should do minis. And I said, no, nah, no way. No, I don't want to, I don't want to do something extra. I don't want to do something new. I've got enough on my plate. He's like, no, that'd be, that'd be really cool. And I, you know, not shot it down. And then the next day he sent me through screen caps of the characters that he created online. And they all looked amazing. There was flowing capes and there was a Valkyrie with wings and a raised sword and there was a big, tough barbarian-looking dude and, and I was just like, oh, they look really good. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you like them because I bought the STL files to get them printed. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So one thing led to another. I've had 70-plus minis printed. Um, reached out to the mini painting community throughout Australia and had those minis painted and then sent back to me. 
and that's kind of where the the D mini bundle started because my my thinking is the shields generally go to the younger kids and as much as I would probably expect probably some 17 and 18 year old might like a shield, but probably are too cool to own up to it um, because the, the children's hospital accommodate kids up to adults. So they've got that 16, 17, I think up to 18. So I'm thinking, well, as little warrior shields, if I can provide some stuff to the hospital, that's for all ages. What about some D and D minis? Cause you want to, you want to create the geeks that you want in the world. So why not provide these kids with, the tools that they can use to start to play D&D. So the bundle is going to be a painted mini, painted piece of terrain, a set of dice and a player's handbook. So everything that you'd need to get started, not necessarily you don't need a mini to start, you don't need a piece of terrain, but a set of dice and a player's handbook has got everything you need to start. Um, So realistically, I'm hoping that there might be a couple of kids within the hospital at a time that might be interested in getting together. Hey, I've got, a, I've got a bundle as well. Oh, you've got a bundle. Oh, have you created a character? Yeah, I watched a YouTube video on how to create a character. So why don't we start a game? We're going to be in here for a couple more weeks or months. Let's start it off. So that was the thinking. Um, I'm in the process of putting those bundles together and, and doing some fundraising to, to buy more players' handbooks. Um, I've got a bunch at the moment, but I'm still working on that. Well, hopefully very shortly I'll have those bundles ready to go, some bundles ready to go, and then over the time I'll just chip away and, and eventually get all of the minis accompanied by the rest of the bits and pieces and sending them up to the children's hospital and, and maybe throughout Australia to different kids as well. And the minis themselves, like it's not just like a standard, like, you know, goblin and orc and whatever it may be. Well, what's, what's specific and special and why would this be relevant to kids in hospital? Well, my mate Pete designed the minis without any input from myself um, and he came back with uh, five characters, six characters, sorry, two in wheelchairs um, and then we were able to put my little warrior shield onto the arms of the characters and also change the base to also include the, the little warrior shield as the, as the base. So we made them as inclusive as we, can, as we could. And there, there might well be more designs. I'm going to try not to, but there's probably going to be more designs because it's always fun to go onto those websites and create new characters. So yeah, it, it was um, it was a fun process that led to something new. But when you start showing people the minis, it's uh, a lot of people getting getting some really awesome feedback. So a couple of recurring questions that I like to ask every interview. First one. So you told me that your what's your first like most memorable character as a player? Probably looking in fifth edition, probably based on what you said. My current character with the game that I'm playing with my mate Pete. So Pete's kids are playing and my son. So my son is a creative genius and comes up with amazing. He came up with a character and then he gave me a 20 minute speech about the backstory of his character. And I said, it'd be cool if we could incorporate our characters together. And because we've joined this, we've come from Wildmount. I, I like to create all my characters and stories in Exandria because I'm, you know, Cricker Rollhead. And we've been magically transported to this other world to try and look for like-minded people. Um, so my son's playing an Ejinasi rogue. And because of my nature as a human being, I generally play clerics. But this time I decided to go a little bit off script and go and be a druid. So I've still got some, I've still got some healing. So I'm playing a Goliath, a Goliath druid named Safia. Um, who's very ungoliath in his nature, um, very quiet. Playing in a game with uh, 
10, 11 and 12 year olds, um, I was very much happy to take a back seat and play a supplementary support role and let them guide the story and guide the narrative. Um, so my, my, I basically hang back with my big mace, hit things that I need to hit and get kids up that need to be brought back up. One of the other characters is a, a tiny gnome wizard and I'm a big burly Goliath. So we basically um, Yoda backpack around now because she's so tiny. I just say, hey, do you want to piggyback? So she just sits on my shoulder and she watches back. And, and, Safi, and Safi has been great fun to play because I don't, I don't need to actively be involved in the narrative. I get to really just just sit and watch and enjoy these kids creating their own story. Um, it's interesting. Like you described being a player, but your role as a player felt very like DM-y. Like I'm just in this supporting role. I'm just helping out. Do you identify more with the DM or the player role, do you think? Um, I prefer to relate more to the player because the DMing still still scares me a bit. <laughs> what scares you about it? I've written a novel. I wrote a novel in my younger years. Nothing came of it, but I wrote a story because I had a story to write doesn't seem to come to me naturally anymore. <laughs> <laughs> trying to come up trying to come up with ideas and concepts and 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 different story arcs that might challenge a couple of young brains is something that I find a little bit a little bit challenging. I get a little bit dry mouth thinking of stories to 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 come up with. And the second question, um, when you think back to your time spent around the table playing uh, D and D and other games, uh, do you have like a favorite memory that you think back on during your time? That first game that my son solved the problem with the bedroll, when he uh, he threw a bedroll out and you know saved the day, it really it really hit home when you're like, wow, we've we've started this game and everyone at the table was engaged and everyone was into the story. Um, but I'm also the guy in the second game that we ever played with that group. I threw a beholder at them in the second game. It wasn't a full strength beholder. It was a bit of a busted beholder. But when you can set the scene, when they go into this space and they can see that there's an underlit floor section and they see this character coming up in that section and it's got the eye stalks. And my son literally got up out of his seat and was dancing, like jumping behind his chair going, it's a beholder, it's a beholder, it's a beholder. And the other, and the, the, the boys at the table were like, what's a beholder? And he just held up the monster man and I went, this is a beholder. And then Everyone at the table freaked out because they were just like, he's going to kill us. But, you know, I watered it down. It was a bit old and busted and only had two working, working ice stalks. And they effectively, they effectively took this thing out in one round, which was epic because everything worked. Everyone rolled well. Everyone executed. People split up. And it was just this amazing experience of seeing the group come together and troubleshoot and take this bad guy out. And I'm like, well, you sold my beholder puzzle in one round. So now to wrap things up, I have a quick fire round for you. So I'm going to hit you with some of the most divisive D&D questions going at the moment. Um, so the rules for this segment are you've got to answer with the first thing that comes to mind and try and keep your answers to one sentence. Are you ready? I will do my best. In your games, what happens when a player gets a nat 20 on, a, on an ability check? Uh, instant success within reason. How do you define reason? DM's discretion. <laughs> Love it. What happens when someone rolls a nat one when they're in combat? Something generally funny because I'm generally dealing with young kids 
um, there will generally be a very small amount of damage or a weapon stuck in a wall that takes a round to remove that kind of stuff. There's a big one that's going on. I see this on Reddit all the time. This one like causes huge division every time. So the concept is there's this idea that either enemies should have defined health totals that the players are bringing down to zero or that combat should be that the DM sort of just is taking the temperature and feeling the vibe and then deciding that the monster is dead when the party seems like they're not having fun anymore. What's your take on that? Which, which, which approach resonates better with you? Hit points to zero. Again, you play D&D with kids. You want to make what's possible achievable. And so hit points to zero, um, but have another supplementary character in the wings. If one goes down to zero in a round, have other, other creatures that might be able to come in and make the day not so easy. True or false, railroading is fine to do. Not with my group. So true or false, um, a DM player character is always a bad idea. No, life is about helping people. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that NPC might, might, need to, might need to help out. Uh, so I might know the answer to this already based on what you've said, but I'll throw it out anyway. For you personally, what do you prefer, combat, RP or puzzles? Combat. That's an easy, that's an easy answer. Uh, In-person or online games? In-person if possible, online is the best fallback. For those in-person games, preferred D&D session snack? For me, chips. For my son, snakes. And finally, the hardest, the most difficult question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Lock it in. Everyone's answered yes so far. There's been no dispute on that. E easy answer. Uh, Damien, thanks so much for joining us. Where can we find out more about you? Where can the people who are listening uh, follow along with what you're up to? Uh, I am at Little Warrior Shields on Instagram. I am very rarely on Facebook. Not much seems to be happening there. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. Um, I am a member of the Mutual Admiration Society. That's how I met Jack. Um, I'm like, this is cool. I will reach out to this human and say, you've started and you have a very cool podcast. And one thing led to another. We're chatting right now. <laughs> yeah, Instagram's um, been really good for me for connecting with people. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more, get in touch. Happy to have a chat. What's that handle one more time? At Little Warrior Shields. Thanks so much for joining me on the show, Damien. Thank you for having me, Jack. Really, really good fun. Thank you. You've been listening to The Table Business a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we here at Sounds Like Adventure, we would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right, with all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.